0: visitors here you're visiting we're glad to have you here tonight let's let's go the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary he awakens me morning by morning he awakens my ear to hear as the learned. the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious nor did I turn away amen please be seated uh, it's good to have everyone here tonight. You know, God has reminded me something over and over again as you step out into doing God's work. I know that God called me to do this, and uh, I am I all constantly thank Him for the privilege uh, to serve. Um, first, I'm a Christian, and then the next time a pastor. <laughs> Maybe I'm, Niger- I'm an American Nigerian now. How do you put that (laughs) all together? But first, I'm a Christian. That's number one. Pastor, that comes next. So I thank him constantly. But he reminded me uh, today, which is something that builds your faith inside, Let you know. And uh, basically saying, if they heard me, if they listen to me, then they'll listen to you. They'll listen to you. That's, that's what he said. So I have the confidence that as I bring the word of God, it's changing lives. I'm seeing lives change. I hear people come to my office, tell me what God's doing. So I know God is at work. But it's always reassuring when the Lord is pointing, out to, pointing that to you in a very clear way that he is doing what he has promised to do. So with all confidence, I speak God's word, knowing that God's doing his work, that lives are being changed, that your needs have been met. And that when I ask him for something, he'll do it according to his word. He will not lie. Tonight, I want to go back to the message, the power of a good conscience. The power of a good conscience is so important to me. So I want to go back to that message and hopefully conclude it tonight. Now... Recently, there's been a lot of message uh, mean, um, preaching on the grace, the grace of God and the grace of God, the grace of God. But sometimes when you listen to some people speak, it's as if they're saying, we got grace as a license to do whatever we want. We're just going to sin and do whatever we want. So more grace means, uh, more sin means more grace. You hear that, they're not saying it directly, but that's what you pick up in your spirit, that that's basically what they're saying. Uh, Basically, doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter how you act, doesn't matter how you behave, uh, it's all under the blood. It's all under grace. But I read in the scriptures, and and Paul was telling us in uh, Galatians chapter 2 verse 17, that God, Jesus Christ, is not the one who ministers sin. Galatians 2 verse 17. Jesus is not a minister of sin. The devil is the one who ministers sin. And so if you are sinning, and you are calling it, you know, grace, that's not grace. That's the enemy, Satan ministering sin to your life, and has nothing to do with grace. Titus 2.11 also tells us this very clearly, it makes it very clear to us that the grace of God has appeared to everyone and the grace of God is teaching us to deny ungodliness and to now accept and live righteously, godly, first it says to live soberly. And there's a lot of scriptures that say, if you see a Christian who walks in a disorderly manner, in other words, you can't predict what they're doing. It says, don't don't company with them. In other words, don't associate with them. We tend to forget these scriptures. It's very, very important. We are not just here to live the Christian life and be a pastor and preach the gospel. I want to get into heaven. That's always in my format. I have to talk to God about this. This is important. He tells us to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. We have to live that way. But you see, a lot of people, or few people these days, they can continue to justify the way they're living because their conscience is defiled. You cannot do that as a Christian and be comfortable and live that way Unless your conscience is defiled. You have been deceived. You can't see clearly. These days I'm very conscious of the fact that Jesus can come at any time. And God forbid you're left behind. He can come at any time. I mean, that's very co- I'm very conscious of it. He can come at any time. And you may be doing something that's wrong. And maybe God will justify. But that, if that has been a part of your life and you are justifying all the grace, you are practicing sin, and Jesus is not a minister of sin. He doesn't minister sin to people. He came to save us from our sins. And if He's not saving you from your sins, and you're doing those things that you're doing sinful, is not a part of it. Satan is the one who is the minister of sin. So the question, the problem now is your conscience. How are you able to do this, and still go to church, And in some cases, preach a good sermon on Sunday and be doing crazy stuff. Not just from time to time, but that's your lifestyle. It doesn't even bother you. You justify it. There's nothing wrong with this. Something is absolutely wrong. How did they get from the place where they feared God in the beginning, now they're in a place where they don't even care? It doesn't happen overnight. Slowly your conscience got defiled, and then your heart get, got hardened, and you are not able to live the life that's pleasing before God, and you are not even aware of it. That's why in the last days some people will start telling Jesus, "Hey, didn't we, didn't we do this in your name?" Because they are not aware that their sin is cut them off. That's why they're able to speak to him that way. Today, people are so concerned about what comes to me, what comes to me, what I get, what people think about me. Am I successful? What about heaven? What about Jesus? What about living a life that's pleasing to him? we we'll forget about all of these things. I was telling Michael, house, that's just a place for me to go to bed when I need to. Don't care how I looked or how the house looks. I just want to serve God. There is a God. God is a person. We tend to forget. God is a real person, just like you are. He's one person. He has feelings. Sometimes I hear people say, Well, we got to fly some flags before God... To make him happy? You're kidding! He's the person. So I flew some flags before him. Now he's very happy. What has that got to do with your relationship with him? I want your heart. That's what he wants. Not those flags. Not all this craziness. I want your heart. I want this personal relationship with you. I'm not going to fly flags before my father and say, "If I do this, he's going to be happy with me." After I blew up his television. <laughs> he says son what you doing with that stuff (laughs) you blew up the television you know you're not sorry you're gonna fight flags around my face go get rid of that what you've done and take care of your problems so these things are very important let me go to the scripture which we talked about before first timothy five uh, chapter one verse five and six he says now the purpose of the commandment is what please say it with me the purpose of the commandment is what Love. That's the purpose of everything that you read in the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation. The purpose of the commandment is simple. The, notice it's not the commandment. He's telling you the purpose for the commandment is what? Love. But that love must come from what? From your pure heart. Not just love. I love hamburgers. (laughs) I love my car. That's not what we're talking about. This is love from the center of your being. Love. Not just love, but love from a pure heart. Love from a good conscience. Not just your pure heart, but it's got to come from your good contents. And then love has to come from a sincere faith. Three of these. And he says some people rejected it and they made shipwreck of their faith. If you reject any of this, God cannot lie. If you don't watch over these three things, whether you like it or not, whether you strive or not, you are going to have shipwreck. That's what he's saying. Love. That's the purpose for the commandment. You know, sometimes you hear Christians, well, I love God, but I can't stand that fellow. That's okay. If they irritate you that bad, that's good. But you still have to love them. You don't have to be their best friend, okay? But you can still love them and pray for them. That's why the Bible says if somebody says he's a Christian and he's acting silly, avoid them. It's not hatred, but it's to protect yourself. But you can still pray for them. Because if you go close, they're going to make you mad. (laughs) Okay? So... Still love them and pray for them. So first Timothy the same chapter verse 19 makes it very clear to us. He says, having faith, again we go back to the things, the same thing, because without faith it's impossible to please God. But faith must come from a pure heart. And faith doesn't work without love. You know that? Faith works by love. These things are connected. So first of all it says for us to so, Have faith out of a a good conscience. Having faith from a good conscience. So there's bad conscience and then there is good conscience. I don't want to have a defiled conscience. Don't want to have a bad conscience because you will justify what obviously was wrong. The thing that made you cry in the past and you were before God now doesn't even you justify it. That there's nothing wrong with it. That's you've gone really far. That's why the Bible says, "Don't don't deceive yourself. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked." So, having faith and a good conscience, wisdom, having rejected concerning faith, have suffered shipwreck. Now, Paul mentioned a few people that have done that. Emenius was one of them, and Alexander. These people, they left. But once you have abandoned a good conscience, what you then have is just idle talk. What another scripture says, you have faith, but the the power is not there. There is no power in it. In other words, there is no fruit in your Christian life. So we have to have fruit. Having fruit is very important for a Christian. And we're not just talking about uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Notice what is called the fruit of the Spirit. It's not your fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, If you allow the Spirit to have its way in your life, the fruit will be there. Because they are always there. If you're a Christian, you got the fruit. It's there. And you just don't want it out, but it's there. They are called the fruit of the Spirit and uh, um, ezekiel chapter 36 26 tells us 27 also god says i will put my spirit within you and i will cause you to walk in my statutes and you'll keep my judgments and do them and so the fruit of the spirit is born from the spirit of god in you if it's not happening it's because you don't want it to hello that's what it is you are not allowing it it's there you can love you can forgive. You just don't want to. Just don't tell me, I'm from, I'm from the other side of town, From we are chilly blooded. We are so hot. We get very mad. He runs in our family. No, you just don't want to let go of it. That's it. That's the truth. You don't want to let go. He's giving you something. And you don't want to let go of that. But the fruit is already there. It's the fruit of the Spirit inside of you. You just don't want it out. You can forgive about anybody. If you're willing. And that's what Isaiah 1 verse 19 tells us. If you are willing and obedient, you eat the fruit of the land. You can forgive. And God can help you. I like that scripture. Lord, I believe. And then follow up. Help my unbelief, okay? <laughs> I do that. When I'm not sure, I will declare, Lord, I can do it. And then I come back with the backside. Help me to do it. Amen. But he says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. So I can ask him. I can tell him, Lord, I'm, I want to do it, but I don't feel like I have the power to do it. So can you help me? In Jesus' name, and He says, I will do it. So I go out and declare, yes, I can do it. You can love if you want to. You can forgive if you want to. You can mend fences if you want to. So, fruitfulness is so important. If you read in John John chapter 15, verse 1 through 6, Jesus made it very clear. He says, I am the vine. The Father... He's the husbandman, the vine dresser. Any branch in me, every branch in me that bears fruit, the Father prunes so that it will bear fruit. And every branch that doesn't bear fruit, the Father takes away. And then He tells us, You must abide in me. If you don't abide in me, you won't bear fruit. Because without me, you can do nothing. So unless you abide, you know, that was take residence in me, be comfortable, rest in me. That's where your home is. If unless you stay in the vine, you are not able to bear fruit. And, and then the other side of it is if the father notices you are not bearing fruit, he, no, there is no emotions with this. He just cuts you off. Which <laughs> is, that's bad. So the way he can't stay in the vine. Read the scriptures. But then if you go to verse 9, Jesus said, Abide in my love. Abide in my love. In other words, take residence in my love. Now, uh, faith must be first from a pure heart and a good conscience. And it's Commandments, the purpose is love. And so if you're not abiding in love, you are not at rest in love, guess what's happened to you? Your conscience has been defiled. And if you don't abide in love, you can bear fruit. Because to abide in Christ, the vine is to abide in love. So if you're not abiding in Him, you cannot bear fruit. And guess what's about to happen to you? The Father cuts every, takes off, removes every branch in the sun that doesn't bear fruit. I know you and I, we don't like to hear that kind of scripture, okay? That the Father is just going to pluck you off. But fruitlessness is a sign that you might have a bad conscience. There must be a bad conscience here, or a defied conscience. And this scripture is good because I'm going to show you some things as we go further in this message because it's very important. you got to, love must be first from a pure heart. I'm afraid there's a bad conscience, and then there's good conscience. And most Christians, they've been taken captive because they are not careful about, or some Christians, Because they are not careful about their conscience. You have to keep that conscience good. Otherwise, God cannot reach you. The conscience is the voice of your spirit. The voice of your born-again spirit. He speaks to you. He's like the doorkeeper. He knows what should be allowed in and what what you shouldn't allow in. When you allow something in, he's going to tell you that you shouldn't have done that. And you can tell him, please be quiet. I want this one in this time. <laughs> but slowly after a while, he won't talk to you anymore. Because you've allowed it. Oh, oh, is that same fellow coming again. Yeah, he always will let this one in. So you can go in. Before long, you, you're so far gone. You're not even aware of what's happening to you. No fruit anymore. Because your conscience is, is the fire. We've got to hold, let me say this, faith, this thing called faith, is a mystery. You know why it's a mystery? You can't even tell if you have it or not. (laughs) I've been there. I can't tell. There's no way to define faith. You know? I've I've prayed with people, (coughs) excuse me, who are sick. And I think when I get into uh, like a church service, most likely in Africa, and they're coming in, um, and some of them crippled, and I see blind or deaf, you know what I do? I try to look away or ignore every one of them. (laughs) Because if you look too hard, something begins to flood inside of you. I just turn to God, say, God, you know, you see them coming now, you better take care of them, (laughs) okay? Because they're expecting something. And I love to tell myself, they're not coming from me, they're coming from him. And he helps me, because I know they're not coming, the burden is not on me, it's on him. And what I have faith enough, I have no idea. Just go and act, and he shows up. Amen? All he wants is a faith as small as a grain of what? mustard seed. And I figure, well, I guess I have enough that way. Uh, let me go on. But this is so important faith is a mystery and the only way you can hold on to your faith is through a good conscience if you don't have a good conscience you go it's a mystery it came from heaven it's not part of this world it's a heavenly thing you're never too sure you can act on it but God's there he's from God for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So, it's a mystery. First, uh, First Timothy 3, verse 8 and 9. It says, likewise, deacons. Now, under the scripture, you will find some things that actually defile the conscience. It says, likewise, deacons must be reverent. That's one important thing. Have you seen people who are irreverent even in the presence of God? That's a problem. It's a clear indication their conscience is defiled. Bad conscience. Reverence, not double-tongued. Just to get away, you know, it's easy for you. Just to come up with something that you know you're not willing to do, but you're saying You already know you're not going to do it, but you're saying it. Because of the circumstances. Not double-tongued, nor giving too much wine... Not greedy for money. They will care for this. And these are here even in churches. You know, pastors and stuff like that. It's an amazing thing. You don't feel, especially when it has to do with money, you don't even aware that something is going wrong. Because you think, well, we have to live. We got to have it. But when you are greedy for it, you're going to hurt somebody. And you will justify why they need to be hurt because you got the right to do this. And you not know, you have no idea that he's destroying you. Now listen to this. Not greedy for money, holding what? The mystery of faith. How? With a pure conscience. You hold on to the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. So, if your conscience is not pure this mis- this faith that's a mystery you can not hold on to it still be you talking, but it's not there's nothing there there's nothing there. So we need to recognise that one of the um, one of the hallmarks of a uh, a good conscience. It's loyalty. Loyalty. This loyalty is usually a clear indicator that the conscience has gone bad. This is true. Today, you can see the church And see how people, they're loyal to nothing. Look back then and see the difference. Even if you cost them their lives, they stay. Loyalty is a very important thing. And that's the problem here. Loyalty, that's saying trustworthiness. Faithfulness. Reliability. that all have to do with loyalty. When your conscience is not pure, it's easy to be disloyal. Think about Judas. Notice what he started doing in the first place. He made his conscience so impure Miracles that he himself was doing in his name didn't change anything. He was out preaching the gospel. But he was stealing money. Right? We already talked about that. And that defiled his conscience. He had no pure conscience. And so what did he do? He was very disloyal. Disloyalty can lead to betrayal. So to me, when you cannot... Hold on to loyalty. There's a lot of books written today about Christians concerning loyalty. And you wonder, why these many books? Because people are not concerned about their conscience anymore. They just do whatever they want to do. Because they have the right to do it. But what's happening is it's destroying their conscience. And so, more and more it's easy for you to do something to hurt the other person. doesn't matter to you. It's, it's what I want. But that's selfishness, not love. Two great forces on earth. The force of love and the force of selfishness, selfishness. So we have to recognize those things. There's a declaration that Paul made that he says, this is what I exercise my life on. This is what I do. Paul tells us this in Acts chapter 24 while he was speaking to King Felix Felix, to talk about what was happening to him. Paul said this, he said, because I know this, there is going to be a resurrection of the just and the unjust. Because I know there is going to be a resurrection of the just and the unjust verse 16 of Acts chapter 24, it says, This being so, in other words, because I know one day there's going to be a resurrection for the just and the unjust, this being so, I myself always strive to do what? To have a conscience without offense towards God." And man. It's the conscience. And you can read Paul's letters. He writes, he says, my conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. So conscience is very important. Maintaining a good conscience with the power of the Holy Spirit being able to talk to you through the voice of your spirit. It's hard to walk with God then. So Paul, everything he did, this was towards the end, before he was taken to Rome, he was defending himself. He says, this is how I live my life. I try very hard to maintain a good conscience, before not to, before man alone, but before God and man. I exercise myself in doing this. This is what I do. So I need to ask God for, for help. So the least the the best way to keep your conscience is to concern yourself constantly with how what's happening between you man and God. Not just not offending God, but man also. The reason is because offense. That's one of the greatest ways that the enemy gets to us and get delivers a bad conscience to us offense offense is the greatest the easiest way and there are a lot of casualties in the church because of offense today people get very very offended they, they, they are really touchy, touchy these days I mean, it's just little things get them very offended sometimes the arrangement of the flower in the pulpit can get them very upset <laughs> it's frightening these days well, I don't like that peacock tail. It looked like a human eye is looking at me. I don't, Pastor, you got to take it out. So one week, second week, pastor didn't take it out. They found another church down the road because of a peacock tail, a feather in the church. It's madness. I don't know what's going on. Because the enemy wants to get to us. There is a key principle here when it comes to the conscience. Sometimes, when I listen to a person come and they're so critical, nothing seems right in the church. If somebody sneezes, it's a bad sneeze. <laughs> no matter what they do, it's bad. They're always finding. Usually, I can tell what the problem is bad conscience. It's a bad conscience. Nothing. No matter... If they leave this church and they go to another church, guess what? The first day they walk in, they've already noticed about seven things that they don't like that's bad with the church. The pastor's accent is one of them. am not kidding. <laughs> but notice this scripture. So important. I mean, we should walk with people... We make judgments, amen? Right judgments for, for you to make decisions. That's good. But you still have to love people. You still have to care about people. Titus 1, 15, uh, 15 says, Unto the pure, What? All things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, Is nothing pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. So, when you're around somebody who is always finding fault with other people and what they're doing and all of their pe- problems in the church, guess what's happened to them? Their conscience is not pure. And I told you before that when I hear you speak, I can already tell where you are, I'm not kidding. <laughs> but that's what the problem is. You're always so critical, something is not right. And if you really go into there, like they're struggling like crazy. There was somebody in our church a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago, it's 14 years now, I guess. <coughs> but this fellow was so critical. And uh, I didn't know what to do with him. And um, Some of the church members were very upset because they figured that, Pastor, you should talk to him. They are one of them, I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't talk to him. I mean, he's not going to listen. If I talk to him, I will be one of those crazy pastors he's been talking about. (laughs) It doesn't matter. I will still have a little bit of favor, and I need to keep this little favor that I have, so maybe I can reach him. But if I go the way the church members want me to go, it won't be too long. I will be one of those, group pe- those people, pastors. And he's gone somewhere else to find a better pastor for a while. To have favor with for a short period of time before he cuts him out. And I said, I, I need to know what's, what's the matter with this. What's going on here? And then all of a sudden, he said to me, we were still good friends then. I think he left We're still good friends. But he said to me, Pastor. I want you to read this book. I said, good. Whatever the book is, I'm going to read it. Since you are so excited about this book, maybe I will be able to figure out what's going on there with you through this book you love. Because he's told me several times, Pastor, I'm telling you, you need to read this book. So I figured, his heart is there. I'll find out what is this. So he, w- I said, Yes. <laughs> I'll read your book. Give it to me. So he was excited. Pastor is gonna read my book. I mean, some control is over in this day, like to control. And so he gave me the book the next time, Pastor, yes, the book. Read. I said, Thank you. I went back home and I was reading the book. I didn't want to read the book. Several times I threw the book on the floor <laughs> and get so mad at what I was reading. But I figured that if I don't read it, well, he's gonna, the next time he sees me, he's going to say, Did you read the book? And if I didn't read it, he, I'm one of those crazy pastors he doesn't like. So I was obligated to read his book. There was nothing there that was good. Everything, there was no pastor in the United States that's good. I'm telling you, no pastor. The worst of it, when I got really mad, Billy Graham was the size. I don't want that. You're criticizing Billy Graham. Just you, You're nuts. That's the way the book was. Every pastor was in there. And I figured the next chapter, my name will be there as well. <laughs> and I, 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 I had to read the book through. which it, Sometimes he's telling stories of books and people that I, I really knew a lot about. But Twisted. Twisted. To feed that thing. And so I said to myself, he's going to ask me if I read the book. So, after, I I, I mean, it was a real torture to read through that book, but I tried. And then the next time he came to me, he says, Pastor, did you read the book? I said, yeah, I read the book. But with real low voice, you know. (laughs) He said, "Uh, how do you find the book? I said, "Uh, I don't know. I have a lot of questions. I said, what what kind of questions? I said, I don't know if this man is a Christian. Very direct. I don't know. That was like, what? I said, I don't know. Because the Bible says, love believes all things. This man doesn't believe anything. Every pastor is a bad one. Where do we have the good ones then? (laughs) All of us are going to hell. So why did Jesus die then? I said, I, he can't be a Christian. He 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 criticizes all, criticizes all his brothers. I don't see love there. Love believes all things. Love bears all things. His conscience is defiled. I tell you, I read, I read that book, but I don't think he's a Christian. He said, "Oh." End of conversation. I figured that moment. I just passed into the other group of pastors. Okay. <laughs> He didn't talk to me about it anymore, but I gave him several reasons. When you begin to see a lot about everybody, he's going to grow. You can't stop yourself. Your conscience is defiled. And you can't compare yourself with others. Because the Bible says, those who compare themselves with others are not wise. Be yourself. Leave others alone. You are commanded to love them. That's all. And if you're not doing that, then you fail God altogether. Amen? Another problem that I need to address, I, if I have some time tonight. Listen, please. Don't take an offense that doesn't belong to you. This is one thing that's caused a lot of Christians so much trouble. They get offended. If somebody sinned, he's not a member of your church in some way, why are you so upset? He didn't sin against you, he sinned against God, right? Why are you so upset you won't go to church anymore? You go to church to serve this person that is not in your church? I don't understand all of that. When he wronged this person, why are you taking offense for him? This is a major trouble in the church. Don't accept an offense that doesn't belong to you. Let me read this scripture to you. Hebrews chapter 12, 14 and 15. It says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. You know you can fall short of the grace. Look, no, excuse me, look look at what it says. Looking very carefully. Looking carefully. Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. If you are outside God's grace, you have no grace. You can't live a Christian life. It's not possible. So be careful that you don't fall short of the grace of God. Then it tells you, lest Any root of bitterness, springing up, cause trouble. And what happens then? And by this, many become defiled. I'm a pastor. People come, they'll tell me what other people have done, have learned to separate them. You were not there. You don't know what happened they're telling you just side of just of the story but you don't know the other side of the story and besides it's not your business they didn't offend you at the most be a mediator but once you take sides it's over you're defiled because when they're telling you their pain they want you on their side and they want you against the other person. I mean, they, most of the time, they are not even conscious they're doing that. That's the danger about it. They're hurting. And so they're reaching out. You have to be very careful. you got to protect yourself. It you don't mean you hate the person. But listen, make sure you get both sides so you don't get defiled. A lot of Christians have gotten so hurt by this. And they don't know why they are missing out on the grace of God. But, but because you've taken an offense that didn't belong to you. No, let me put it this way. Let's say, yes, my uh, good brother, your pastor Roy offends me. Or I offend Pastor Roy. And then Pastor Roy goes now and he tells uh, Karen about what I had done. He did that to you? Yeah. You mean he cursed you out? Yeah, he did. And then he goes back and he preaches on Sunday. (laughs) Really? You mean he preached to someone about love, Jonathan? He cursed you out? Should, now she's offended. Right? But didn't know the details. Didn't know what started it. All she knows, he could Pastor curse me out. Right? And now, the next Sunday, if she took it, next Sunday I'm standing to preach and she's saying, he's going to preach again about love, this hypocrite. She's already judging me. Now she's angry and bitter. Now this is the danger. Now God convicts me about what I had done that's wrong to my brother Roy. Now, brother Roy, is told not only Karen, but uh, Shirley, and several others. He has even forgotten how many people he told. Okay? Many of them are upset with me. Now God convicts me For what I had done wrong. And I go to my brother. Roy, oh my God. I shouldn't have spoken to you the way I spoke. Please, would you please forgive me, brother? Please. And I'm crying. And he says, brother, you are forgiven. Guess what happened? The relationship is restored. But they are still mad. They have no idea that I've been to him to plead for forgiveness. They are still angry. I come up on Sunday and I say, what? And Pastor Roy say, go for it, Pastor. And they're thinking, don't you say that. He, he cursed you out. <laughs> you see the danger? The trouble is, I, I don't have to go to them to ask for forgiveness. I didn't wrong them, right? They've taken an offense that didn't belong to them. And I'll never apologize to them because I never wronged them. So for years, they're holding that against me. And they miss out on the grace of God. You see the danger of it? Your conscience gets defiled. Don't get involved. If you get involved, get involved with love to bring reconciliation. That's what you should do. This is holy living. It's just a day-to-day thing. That's what's caused a lot of Christians. You find out that the things that used to excite you about God before, you hear the same thing and it doesn't move you anymore. And there's no way to tell because there is an enemy that's come against your life. So I've learned many years. I don't take offense at what I know what they're telling me and listen to what they're saying. Pray to see if what I can do to help, but I'm not going to take offense for you. I don't know what you, what you said back to them after they cursed you out. You won't tell me that part. So we should be very careful. And they're not intentionally trying to rope you in. But we we are dealing with an enemy. I mean, you know that? We are dealing with an enemy. So we should be very careful. When they are hurting and they come to you, you try to bring some reconciliation. And then maybe befriend the other person to see if you can get their own part of the story. And to bring them together. We ought to love one another. Amen? And you don't take sides. You You never do. Just one person. The wife tells you, believe me, the husband has his own part of his story. That's just the way life is. We see things through our prisons. Amen. Bitterness is the greatest killer. And that's why God says we shouldn't let that root of bitterness. You're bitter about something, your conscience is already defiled. And for me generally, uh I'm a man just like everybody else. When you know if you're a pastor you go through a lot. And it's just the way and some pastors have gotten very bitter because you can think you're helping and then somebody turns around. These days it's very easy. They will tell you quietly, You said this and I'm leaving the church and they make us so you have to deal with it. So <laughs> it's something we have to deal with. Uh, but the way I've handled that is that's part of my calling. If I don't experience that, I'm not doing what God calls me to do. So I don't take it. It's not. I don't internalize it. Just put it off, and you struggle with it. But initially, it's very tough. It's tough, and I've got to go to God and say, God, you know this thing is is, is, is I don't want to use the word. <laughs> it's killing me. No? <laughs> it's painful, and then I'm very honest to Him before Him, and I tell Him I don't want this. Get it out of my life. And I will stay with it till the feeling has gone. It bothers me that I'm feeling that way more than what what's happened to me because that will kill me. It will just destroy me. And before long, God cannot speak to you anymore. And if you're still hearing God, it's not God. You can't have bitterness ruling your life and God speaking to you much. Most of it is just common sense of what you think. We have to be very careful. You got to keep that. You got to keep that. That voice of the spirit, the conscience, right? Because that's what how Paul exercised himself. We have to do that. We have to do that. I'm talking to us tonight because this is the Wednesday night when mature Christians. These are the people God wants to use, and that's the one Satan wants want to attack the most. And so we must be aware of these things, and. and uh, and protect ourselves. Ephesians chapter 6 was very clear. It says we are not unaware of the devices of Satan his ways. We don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and and all of these things. So we have to be very aware that there is a devil I know that there is a God, and I always remind myself, believe me, I remind myself, God is a person. I tell myself that. He's a real person, just like I'm looking at you. And so I know his feelings can be hurt. Uh, If you just think like God, then you don't realize that he's a person and has feelings. The same thing, I know that there is a devil in the world, and he's looking for every opportunity to cause me trouble. Whether through someone who is close to me. Or somebody who is not as close to me. Usually the one that's closer to you. That's where the trouble really comes Somebody that I don't know. Doing something to me. Doesn't hurt me very much. I won't think much about it. But those that are close to you. The enemy. Even though they are not aware of it. Will find something to use. To cause you pain. And if you think on it. Your conscience gets defiled. But God wants us to maintain a good conscience before Him so that He can use us. So He can use us. Stand up with me tonight. Hopefully, you got something out of this um, to help in our Christian work. So you maintain that even care before, before God. As things go in and out, we're constantly battling things coming at us, and, uh, but then we learn and we learn from the things that we 've gone through we are able to help other people to to live for God in a better way. Again, I need to say this no condemnation. this is not the purpose. I, all our church members, I love every one of you seriously, but it's, not, it's no judgment for me. Uh, when you do well and you're really prospering in the Lord, uh, I have a little part of it and I taught you everything you know. No, <laughs> so, my joy is in there when you're doing well. So, please, no condemnation. This is things, things that we need to be aware of so that we can make progress. In, in winning and helping people in the Lord. Please, let's lift our hands up before God. In Africa, I made this this very thing so clear to people. A lot of people don't realize that the scripture says, when you lift up your hand, God immediately will have to look where, towards you. He says that in Isaiah. He says, when you lift up your hand, especially when your hand is covered with the blood of jesus god said your hands full with blood when you lift up your hand now look away what that what does that mean it means when your hand is not with bloodshed but the blood of jesus god cannot help himself once you lift up those hands god says hey what do you want (laughs) that's why paul says i wish above all that men everywhere would lift up holy hands Without doubting, no fear, because God's looking your way. Amen? So let's lift our hands to God tonight. And He's looking towards you. Tell Him what you want. Amen? And He's listening. He promised He will answer. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. That the Father, that the Son may be glorified. The Father will be glorified in the Son. That's what it is. Jesus wants his name glorified in your life tonight. Father God, I thank you for your word that you've spoken to us. We lift up our hands towards you, Lord God, because from you comes our help. And we're so grateful that we have a God who's looking down to us with such love, such great mercy, such great kindness towards us. Even though we haven't been perfect in our ways, yet you've loved us so dearly to the point of giving your son for us, that we might be your family members. Thank you, Father. Be with your people tonight. Prosper them. Let your face shine upon them. Let goodness and mercy follow them according to your, to your scripture, the word of God, all the days of their life. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to your word. In Jesus' name and God's people said amen thank you for your